upstairs. Thank you, Wes. The rest of you can take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4. Don't think her birthday's starting out the way she wanted it. I was giving some thought <clears throat> to the message this week and, and uh, started out early on this one on Monday and, and uh, you know, thinking about our, continuing to think about our theme about others and, and uh, you know, there are times where, and I mentioned this uh, in the past couple messages too, but if we're going to help others, we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves also <laughs> and uh, so this is going to be part of that, <clears throat> more of uh, uh, helping ourselves and, and uh, doing the things that we ought to be doing and, and uh, pray that it can be a help to you. And <clears throat> so I titled it A Recipe for Beating Temptation. And <clears throat> I started thinking about recipes and, and you got you to gotta know my mind. It, it revolves, my whole life revolves around food and people. That's pretty much it, you know. And if I can talk to you while we're sitting around food, it's even better, right? But, you know, it's just life of a preacher, you know. And I, I've, I've told this one many times, but I want to make sure it sticks. You, you know what a belt is on a preacher. It's, it's, just a, it's just a fence around a chicken graveyard. So, you know, I just need to remember that. So, but um, <clears throat> anyway, I started thinking about recipes and... and my grandma made the best homemade rolls. I, I mean, she was famous in our holler for, for her rolls, how she could make them. And um, she, she had a recipe, but she never followed it because, you know, the recipe is just a recipe, and you put all the things together, and it, and it ought to work. But uh, my wife found out that the, the dough, she'd make the dough for the, the bread, and it had to have a certain feel to it before that's what she would put into the oven. And she never told anybody what that was, you know, and how, how to feel it. And all I know is my favorite time was I got to go over there and I got to poke it, you know, and make it go back down so then it would rise again. And I'm not sure why they do all that, but anyway, it was good. So we enjoyed doing that. But uh, she was just known for that. And and the sad thing was, is that when she died, that it went with her. And, you know, you can do your best to uh, make those rolls, but Graham's rolls are gone. And, uh, but it just made me think of the recipe and, and how, how she made it individual in that and, and you know, and, and how she made it better. And, you know, in our lives are much of that same too. There, there are so many things that, that is for all of us together. And there are things that we all ought to be doing and, and, and uh, living for God, and, and, and we understand that, but uh, we see how God can take it and use it a little differently in each person's lives to bring us out to what, what it is that we need to be. And so I pray that as we look at this today that uh, you understand that the application can be a little bit different in everybody's life, but the application is still there 
and how we need to take his word and use it and uh, allow God to use that in our lives to uh, give us victory. And, and so as we think about temptation, I know that this hits everybody because we're all tempted and we all deal with issues in our lives. And, and the issue about being victorious is how do we handle the temptations that come and, and do we fall flat on our face or do we have victory? Well, let's have victory in these things and, and let's see what it is that God shows us that we need to have to have this kind of victory when temptation comes. And so as we get into this in verse uh, 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 verse 1 of Matthew chapter 4, I guess I better turn there. I was still in Romans chapter 12. So, But here we have what, what's a, a very famous passage, and we probably read this many times, and maybe you've even heard messages on it. And, and uh, so it's probably nothing new to you, but I pray that we can see how it is that we need to apply it to our lives today. So the temptation of Christ, and and here if, if Christ himself is tempted and this is how he has victory, and, and there are some issues of this about whether Christ could ever sin or not. Christ was impeccable and could not sin, but, but we're going to see that because of this and, and because of this temptation that, that uh, he, he describes this in uh, our Savior in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, that because of this temptation, it uh, 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 tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse, uh, verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. One of the great things about our Savior is Though he is God and, and is perfect and, and was sinless in all ways and, and could not uh, fall to temptation of sin, it tells us that he goes through this temptation so that he understands what it is that we go through today. And he understands that and, and has those feelings and, and knows those things, and we thank God for that. But in this, we see that, that uh, there is a a temptation on all of us, and how we're going to defeat it is the same way that Jesus shows us how to do that, and, and he gives us that recipe. And the first one in verse 1 is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, there are all kinds of things in this that, that I'd like to show you and, and give you uh, give some thought to, but First of all, we're, we're just going to let the Scripture explain itself in many of these, and, and, and I pray that it does a, a good enough job today, my message does, to, to show you enough Scripture to help you understand these things about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, being baptized with the Spirit, and, and, and uh, living under His power. So uh, here we see that Jesus Himself was led up of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Here we have two parts of the Trinity, and, and we know that God the Father is sitting on the throne, and, and here we know that Jesus is God. Here we see that uh, the Holy Spirit is God also. But look over in John chapter 14, and I pray that I can help you understand a little bit of the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. In John chapter 14, and Jesus here is talking to his disciples, and, and he has already told them that that he is going to prepare a place for them. And, and do you realize that, 
that when Jesus went to the cross and, and he died on that cross and was buried and, and he rose again and he went into heaven, that you know your place has been prepared. It's just waiting for you to come and take occupancy. And oh, how one day we look forward to that. But here he is talking to these disciples and, and, the disciple, and he said, look, I'm going to go away, but I, I will come again for you. And, and in that statement, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And, but then he goes on in verse 15, and he talks about how he's not going to leave them alone. And they're worried. They're concerned. He's, he's saying, look, I'm going to die, and, and I'm going to be gone. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, Jesus, you, we, we've, we've been with you for these three years and three and a half years or so, and, and we don't want you to go, and we want you to stay. And, and so he goes on, and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so now he's commanding them and showing them that, look, if you really love me, or since you love me, a, a, a simple condition here, and, and he's saying, since you love me, then keep my commandments. Okay, that, that's great, Lord, and, and I do want to do that. And then Satan comes along and throws temptation out there. My, my flesh comes along and, and, and puts temptations in front of me, and, and my pride is always getting in the way. And, and, and Lord, I, I do want to keep your commandments, but I'm having such a struggle with this. And, and then he goes on and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate that, that's going to come along beside you, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. This is what marks us different than those who are unsaved, look, we still sin and, and we're still dealing with that old sin nature and, and we're still dealing with the disobedient heart at times and, and we're dealing with, with issues in our lives that everybody else is dealing with and that's why we understand the ground is level at the cross and, and we understand that we're no better than anybody else out in this world and that we could be in the same spot that they are, but thank God my sins are forgiven. Thank God that that he opened my eyes and I saw the forgiveness that's so freely given to me through Jesus. And, and so I've come to him and, and sought him and, and asked him to forgive me and cleanse my heart, and he has. And, and then he tells me that, that, look, I'm never going to leave you and, and you're not going to be comfortless, but you are going to be given the Holy Spirit of God. And he tells us that that Holy Spirit, will I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you. And, and so now we see and know and, and understand that, that he gives us that Holy Spirit of God and he gives it to us at that time of our salvation and how we can celebrate and rejoice and know that, that we're a part of the family of God by, by that inheritance and, and, and by the down payment that he's given us and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. 
That's a one-time action. He doesn't continue to rebaptize us over and over and over, and, and it's not something that, that we need to constantly be going to the cross and, 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 and confessing our sins, hoping that Jesus is going to forgive us of our sins. He has forgiven us on that, that day of Calvary, and when we call on Him and we place our faith in Him, our sins are forgiven. And then he tells us that we are then baptized into one body, one time, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And so now he gives us that Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and so now if we're, we, we go back and, and we're giving thought to this in Matthew 4 and dealing with this temptation, Jesus himself was led up of the Spirit of God. We, we need to understand that first and foremost, we need to know Christ is our Savior before we'll ever be led of the Spirit. But whenever we are saved, then He gives us that Holy Spirit to indwell in us forever. He goes on further there in, in John chapter 15. We already looked at what He said in 14. and verse 15 and verse 26, He says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Two things that the Holy Spirit here will will do, he will lead us into truth. He'll show us what is true and genuine and real according to his word. Oh, how we need to be careful of our emotions and We need to be careful of advice that other people give us. We need to understand that the truth that is going to be given is going to come from God's Word. And He's going to show us that Word and and lead us and and, and be and represent the truth. And and what which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of me. And, And the Holy Spirit is going to be teaching you and helping you to learn more about God the Father and and understanding more about Jesus. And and you know what? It also shows us that not only is the the Holy Spirit going to be testifying to us, but He's also going to be encouraging us and showing us that we need to be testifying of Him. If you have a faith that that you want to keep hidden in the closet and and you have a faith that you don't want to share with anyone, that's not a life-changing faith. That isn't a biblical faith that God is telling us about. This is a faith that Jesus has come into your life and made you a new creature in Christ and and he's put a new song in your heart and he's lifted your feet up out of the miry clay and and, and he's doing something in your life and, and and he's put psalms and hymns and spiritual songs into your life and into your heart and, and, and it's something that, hey, you are looking for opportunities to tell others about your faith. Oh, it's no closet faith that God wants us to have at all and, and, and a, a genuine faith is going to be testifying of, of those things and, and here we see that, that uh, showing us that and even in chapter 16 he goes on and in chapter 16, look at this in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. He'll convict the world of sin. He'll, he'll bring to light and expose the world of, of their sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
of sin because I believe not in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Here, howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All throughout the Scripture we see that the Holy Spirit of God is going to be testifying of God the Father. The Holy Spirit of God is going to be teaching us the truth of what God's Word has to say. And we need to understand that if we're ever going to beat temptation, then we need to allow that Holy Spirit of God to teach us the truth. You know, I say all of these things because I'm not here to to judge his salvation, but one of the guys running for president, Buttigieg, or or however you pronounce his his name, Buttigieg is a proclaimed homosexual and and is very proud of it and flaunts it and kisses his his friend on, on the platform many times and and he makes the statement that, that he's born again and that he can be gay, he can be, he can be a sodomite and be happy and be saved and be doing that. Look, I do believe that people that are in homosexuality can be saved. I do believe that God's power, he can do anything that he wants. And I think we ought to be willing and, and we ought to love them enough to be able to share the gospel with those that are living in that sin. But, but the thing that you need to understand is that Sodomy is wrong according to the Scripture. Sodomy has always been wrong, and sodomy is one of those things that that God has listed that he says is an abomination to God. That doesn't change. People want to say, well, Jesus never said anything about Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, as a matter of fact, he did, and and then and all throughout the Scripture. But here we see they want to say, well, it's all in the Old Testament, nothing in the New. You need to read the Bible, okay? And God says that he never changes. And if sodomy was bad, then sodomy is bad today. And the thing that they need to understand is Jesus is God. And it's always wrong. Pride is always wrong. When it's that worldly pride, it's wrong. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. I mean, those things are always wrong. They're always going to be wrong. The Scripture says it. And it doesn't matter if society says it's okay. It doesn't matter if the Scripture says that or the laws come out and say, hey, these things are okay now. Scripture says it's not. It's not right. It'll always be wrong. And, And it will always be wrong. And so when you have people that, I just use that as one example, that come in and, and they make light of sin and, and they make light of this lifestyle and, and say that God is okay with this. I, I heard some other, I, I, I don't know whether it was, a, 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 I, I, don't, I don't even know who it was, but said that, that they're a believer also and, and that it's a biblical thing to commit abortion. Look, the Holy Spirit is not leading someone in that truth because that is not true. That is not true according to God's Word. Abortion is murder. Murder is not right. Don't commit murder. It would be a good idea to listen to the Ten Commandments in that situation. It is always wrong. We need to understand that there are people out there, there are preachers today that are standing in their pulpit and saying that this is okay even in our own community. 
they're not a preacher. They're, they're not an ambassador of Christ. They're just some feel-good spokesman that, that's trying to tickle the ears of their followers and build a crowd. It's not biblical at all. And shame on them. That will come on their head one day. We need to stand and preach the truth, and we need to understand the truth is the truth. Right is right. Right is always right. What is right? According to what God's Word has to say. And so we need to understand that, that the filling of the Holy Spirit and, the, and, and whenever, we are, whenever we trust Christ and we're baptized by that Holy Spirit of God, Look, that Holy Spirit is a person, and He is indwelling in our life. Does that wake you up a little bit? It ought to wake us all up to understand that wherever we go, there goes the Holy Spirit. Did you ever have a little brother or a little sister as a chaperone when you were a kid and going on a date? Well, you got to take little Johnny with you. I don't want to take little Johnny with me because he's a rat, and he tells on everything that I do. You know? And, And I didn't have... We didn't have that. We had Jesse. Jesse was my nephew, a little dork. He'd tell on everything. It was always my driving that he'd tell on, you know. And so, but uh, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you, and He'll always guide you into all truth. You need to allow Him. The only thing that you open your mind to, open your mind to listening, is to the Word of God. That's it. Let God take and mold your mind and your heart according to his word, teaching you and showing you what it is that that you ought to be doing. And and for time, I won't go there, but I've been there many times. But Ephesians chapter 5, start with verse 18 and go through chapter 6 and verse 9. And there we see the that there we see a lot of the results of, of being filled with the Spirit of God. And there you are, you are, he says, be not drunk with wine, where is the excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on, and, he, and you, you'll be speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's going to put a song in your heart, that, and, and it's not a fleshly song. It's not, a, not, not some song that's glorifying the things of the world. It's songs that are going to be glorifying your Savior, and then it's going to filter down in your life as a husband, you're, you're going to be submitting to the leadership of Christ. Your wife is going to be submitting to the leadership of Christ, uh, submitting to the leadership of the husband. Husband's going to be loving the wife as Christ loved the church. The children are going to be obeying their parents, which is right in the eyes of the Lord. And then it even goes into the rest of chapter 6 is dealing with the servant and the, and the employer and, and, and in all areas of our life. And we see that that all filters down by walking in the Spirit of God being filled in his spirit. And so here we see that Jesus, whenever he goes and and there's going to be temptation, well, the first thing is we need to make sure that we are filled with the spirit. You know a way to test that? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking when you wake up in the morning? What are you thinking whenever you're going through the day? Are they thoughts of what's going on in the world? Or, you know, sometimes our dreams are just really weird. You know? I mean, if I was Pentecostal, I'd be trying to get a hold of President Trump today because I dreamed last night somebody's trying to kill him. <clears throat> and did you see he's in NASCAR today? He's at Daytona 500. Going to make a lap around the, uh, a lap around Daytona. How cool. That would be me if I was president. I, I'm, I'm going to NASCAR 
and and I'm I'm going around the track too. But you know, <clears throat> but our 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 what are we thinking? You know, we wake up and and are are we letting the 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 problems of the day overwhelm us? Are, are we letting the I, I don't know, whatever it is that you guys know what you're thinking about right now, are, are those things things that need to be taken captive? Or are they things that are righteous and honoring to God? Or are they the things that, that God is working in your heart and showing you that you need to uh, be following Him and looking to Him? And, and, and here we understand whether we're filled with the Spirit or not. Or not. And if our thoughts aren't where they ought to be, then Lord, help me to, to, to write my thinking right now. And Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. I know He's there. And I know I have all of Him that, that I'm ever going to get. And so Lord, I want to listen to Him right now. And, and so speak to me and, and tell me something in your word that, that I can take and use today and, and have victory and, and, and glorify you in my life. That's a part about being led up of the Spirit. Here Jesus is giving us that example of the filling of the Spirit. But then, you know something else that I see in this, and I, I don't have this in our notes, but then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You will be tempted. Okay? That's just fact of life. You need to understand that we live in the devil's world, and so there are going to be temptations. We live in a sinful flesh. There are going to be temptations. So don't think that you are exempt. Don't think that your temptations are greater than somebody else's. Whatever you're going through, many other people have gone through the same thing, because we have that same old sinful nature and that same old powerful flesh. And so we need to understand that there will be temptation in our lives. So the first recipe, if we're going to have victory and, and we're going to beat temptation, is that we need to have a filling of the Spirit. Secondly, we need to have a fortified prayer life. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. You know, I, I, this is amazing to me. Because whenever you see fasting, usually you see prayer goes along with that. Because when someone fasted, and even when God wants us to fast today, it's usually we are fasting and, and we are abstaining from things that our flesh wants right now. We're going to abstain from those things and instead have a mentality of praying. And Lord, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to hold my flesh back. I'm going to put it under captivity in, in all of this, and including uh, of the eating and, and, and of, of these things that I want to do. And I'm going to put those aside, and I'm going to take this time, and I'm going to spend it thinking about you and praying to you and looking to you for guidance and you for power in my life. How many times do we see, and I don't have the answer, you're going to have to go and look and see, but how many times do we see where Jesus took time to go alone, to fast, and to pray? This is God himself. If God himself who is perfect in all ways and all-powerful, and still in this body of flesh, said, we must make time. 
to fast and to pray, then we need to have a fortified prayer life. No prayer, no power. Prayer, you have power. And I'm not talking about some shallow prayer. I'm talking about really and truly going to God and just asking Him for help and deliverance and victory and, and, and to help you in, in remembering verses that you have to, to, to have in your life, to have victory and to, to show you, Lord, what is it today that, that I can use today that will help me through today? You, you see, we're, we're not in that microwave society here in Christianity where you can just push a button and, and out comes a great solid Christian. And, and we're not talking about something that, that comes overnight and, and it's not some special pill that you can take. It's about every day a life-changing time in your life where everything becomes different in your life. You, you start looking to God for His Word and, and reading and, and listening to His Word and what is it that He has for me in the Word and, and you're praying as you're, as you're looking and reading, Lord, open my eyes and my heart to, to what it is that I need to see here and, and understand so that I can be stronger and, and be strengthened in my walk. And, and here we see that that's exactly what Jesus was doing and that is exactly what we need to do. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of many times we just stand there and say, you know, I just don't know that I want it that bad. I, I don't know that I really and truly want to seek it that hard and make things that hard. Well, I, 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 I don't know how to explain this, but you can't really be a mediocre Christian, if that makes any sense. The, the best way that, yeah, I mean, lukewarm, God says, you make me sick and I want to I puke you right out of my mouth. That's what he says about someone that wants to be lukewarm. And so I don't see that you can do that. I, the, only, the, 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 the best illustration I have is that you're in, you're in the currents in a river, and you're standing out there in the river, and, and you're moving forward. You're moving upstream. That's life. You're moving upstream. You always got to be moving upstream, and it's not easy to do. But as soon as you stop, all that power sweeps you down, down river. And then pretty soon you got to grab a hold of something to stop yourself. But then you stop yourself, and then you got to start moving again. Otherwise, you get swept back down the river. You know, and it, and it seems like there are those that, that instead of just saying, Lord, I, I, I want this, and, and I want to be committed to you, and I am committing this to you, and, and this is going to be something life-changing, and, and I'm not waiting for you to put me in a microwave, and all of a sudden it's going to come out, and, and I'm not going to take that little pill, and, and this is going to make it easy. I understand this is an everyday thing that I need to be doing, and everything needs to change in my life, and, and here I need to understand that no longer do I want to try to be mediocre. No longer do I want to try to stand in these rapids and, and keep getting swept down, but, but instead I am going to continue to go forward forward and move forward and when I do get knocked down we're going to get right back up and we're going to start again and we're going to keep moving and then pretty soon 20 years from now you can look back and you've covered a lot of ground in the river and you just keep moving but it's every day and it's a battle and it's a struggle and God delivers you but and sometimes you have some miraculous deliveries that that he gives you a great victory over that and you make huge strides in the river and then you're you're praising the Lord for that and then other times it's just like 
the water's up to here and you're just, you're gagging and holding on and thinking, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. And, and it's during that time that you continue to pray, you continue to fast, you continue to read and you continue to just seek to do the little things that God's telling you to do. And pretty soon God is delivering you through those things. But you have to have a fortified prayer life to have that. You know, it tells us in Exodus 34, 28, I'm not going to go there either, but Moses was with God up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. Tells us that Elijah, Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 7 and 8, that God was doing a work in his heart and and he fed him and he said, look, you need to eat of this because you're not going to eat again for 40 days and 40 nights. And you know, Elijah then ate of that, and then he ran, and and God took him further into the wilderness into a cave, and it was then that God did a major work in Elijah's life. And if you recall, it's there in that cave where he stood out on the mouth of that cave and looked out, and, and there was a great fire, and there was a great earthquake, there was a great wind, but God wasn't in any of those things. But he came to Elijah in a still, small voice. And he said, Elijah, you're not alone. There's 7,000 other men just like you that are out there to do God's will, to do my will, and, and to do what it is that they need to do. You need to get up. You need to go do what it is that God's told you, what I'm telling you to do, and go do it. And it tells us that Elijah did that, and the first thing he did is he runs into Elisha. And Elisha becomes his best friend best buddy that ran with him, helped encourage him along the way in that ministry. And we see that God used that as a time to grow him and help him. But we see how that, that word, that number 40, has the idea of, uh, of, uh, uh, of being tested and a probation time, of whether you're going to do it right or you're going to do it wrong. And are you truly going to be sincere? You know, maybe that's an interesting thing. I never thought of this. These things can get me in trouble sometimes when these thoughts come by. But you want to make that kind of commitment to God that, hey, Lord, I'm in this totally for you. Keep a journal for the next 40 days. See what God does in those next 40 days. As you make that commitment to him, change some things in your life. You ever given thought that maybe after 40 days he'll give you complete victory over some of those things that are giving you such an issue? I don't know, worth a try. Put God to the test. God always passes the test. And so we need a fortified prayer life. But then thirdly, I wrote, third point, a fearless defense against an overwhelming enemy. I, I also think maybe a more appropriate word instead of fearless is a formidable defense against an overwhelming enemy. Because I don't, I don't want us to think that our defense is not as powerful as our enemy because the defense that we have as a believer is far more powerful than all the powers that Satan has. And he can throw the gates of hell against you, but you will prevail through the power that God gives us. And look at what he says in verse 3, and, and, and this goes through Verse 11, I see a little mistake there, verses 3 through 1. 
It's actually 3 through 11, all right? But it says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The tempter, the enticer. I mean, we, we saw earlier the devil. The devil means slanderer, accuser. Now we have he's a tempter, and, and here he comes to Jesus, and, and he tempts him, and, and we're going to see that he tempts him in three areas, and three areas that we're always tempted in. You can always categorize all your temptations in one of these three areas, and, and the first one he tempts him with is the lust of the flesh. And so he says, here comes Jesus. Jesus is tired. Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and so Satan comes to him knowing what his weakness is right now. Now, you also need to be careful of that in the temptations that's going to come. It's going to come when you are weak, whenever you're sick, whenever you're hungry, whenever you're not taking care of yourself the way that you ought to. You do need to get enough rest. You need to make sure that, that, that you're, you're keeping yourself healthy and because when you are weak physically, you're also weak spiritually. Satan knows that and Satan goes after you. And so guard against that. And so here he says, Hey, if you're the Son of God, then command that these stones be made bread and, and fulfill your hunger and fulfill your desire that you have. And, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so here he's showing him and telling him that it's better to obey God's word than, than satisfy the flesh in any way. And, oh, Satan, you need to understand that yeah, I could do that if I wanted to and fulfill the, the lust that I have in my flesh right now, but that's not at all what God's telling me. He's telling me that, that there's something more important that we need to live by than, than even our physical means that in, in this bread. Oh, God, i got to have this. God says, I'll take care of that. You live for me. Oh, how often we get those all mixed up. We say, and we want to tell God, Oh, God, we, we, uh, yeah, I understand this. And, and in Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 3, we see this is a, a, a quote from that place. And, and I understand this, God, but, but I really don't like that manna that you're giving me. I, I want that seven-grain bread. And so here he says, you need to live for me and not worry about those things. And you need to understand that. And here he's telling him that, that I need to live by something other than bread alone. And, and it's by the very word of God that, that he's showing us that we need to live for God. And, and it is written, and, and by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Do you understand that if there's something in this world for a believer that is more important than our own existence, a breathing air, drinking water, and eating of bread, is the taking of God's word and hearing and reading and understanding what it says. And so often we're the ones that put this thing aside and, and the only time we get it out is on a Sunday morning or, or maybe when we get in a bad spot and, and then we're like, oh, we're in a bad spot here, God. And so, oh, Lord, open it up to what I need to see today. And, and you read one verse and you think, oh, wow, that's going to get it. And then maybe it says, go out and hang thyself. Oh, what good is that? You know? And so and instead you need to be studying and, and reading this and every day you're going through the Word of God and you're, and you're reading and you're understanding more of, of what it is that He's telling us and how we need to take this and, and understand it and, 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 and realize what a, what a privilege it is that we have the very Word of God right here in front of us. Isn't it amazing that you, do you realize that in the, the great 
country of China that our press wants us to think is so wonderful that you can get arrested for having the very Word of God? Do you realize that it's still a book that they condemn and do not want that around them? Do you know why? Because everything it teaches teaches us that communism and socialism is wrong. And it tells us and points us out and, and convicts the world of sin and shows them that, that, that the government isn't God and that, that you need to trust Christ as your Savior. And you need to get away from all of that. And so they condemn you if you have the Word of God and, and how we need to understand the, the preciousness of it. And, and he says in Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times and and oh how we need to understand the preciousness of of his word psalm 119 you ever want to hear about and see what god says about his word then read psalm 119 it's all about the word of god and 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 here we see then in verse 89 it says forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven it stands firm and it's there and it's heavenly and it can't be touched by those who are here and oh we have so many that are trying to change the word of God and change it into something that it doesn't say and and trying to make things easier and pacify things and get rid of the blood of Christ and get rid of those things that are that are annoying and 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 bring conviction to us and and we even have the the, the Queen James version that's come out condoning homosexuality and 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 all these lies are out there and oh how we need to understand that we need to take the Bible and we need to take the word of God and we need to listen to it and we need to read it and you need to know that you can stand upon the word of God and that we have it today and it is settled and it stands firm and you need to base your life upon what does God's word have to say if you are ever going to beat temptation that comes it's going to come through your knowledge and the power of the deliverance of God's word you ever have a preacher that don't want you to study the Word of God? Run as fast away from there as you possibly can. The Amish bishop back in our town used to tell the people, too much reading of the Word will lead one astray. No, it'll lead you out of the Amish community. And it'll lead you into the truth. I find that to be sad. I find it to be a terrible testimony of a group that sells their religion. Matthew chapter 4 shows us that Jesus himself, it is written. And it's not going to change. It's been penned by holy men of God, and they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God to write exactly what it is that God wanted them to write, and he has preserved that word, and he has given us that word, and we have his word today. People can try all they want to to change it, but God's word will always come through, and the Holy Spirit of God will always lead you to the truth of what his word has to say. Oh, how we need to understand we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You want to defeat the lust of the flesh? Then you go to the word of God and you start listening to the Word of God, and you put this flesh under, uh, uh, under uh, surveillance, and you put this flesh in the pen, and you, you lock away the cell door, and you tell your flesh, you know what, you'll eat when I say you're going to eat. You're going to drink when I say you're going to drink. You're going to have the, the, the refreshment that you need and the things that you're craving. You're going to get those when I say that you're going to get those. And the Spirit is going to show me when it is that you get these things. And, and you are going to have a temperate 
self-controlled body that is, re, that is a, a resemblance of Jesus Christ here handling the temptation and saying, hey, I, don't need, I can't live by bread alone, but, but I need to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Put God's word in the priority of where it needs to be. Oh, how often do we eat breakfast but we don't read the word of God? How often do we eat lunch and we haven't read the word of God? How often do we sit and have a nice dinner and we haven't read the Word of God? And then we wonder why we can't handle temptation. But he goes on. Then we see that he attacks his pride. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Oh, that highest point. Don't we see that in today's society? Just makes me ill thinking everybody trying to promote themselves. All these stupid award shows that come out on TV. Not only the award shows for the, for the, I'll just get myself in trouble. Might as well pick on everybody and make you all mad at me. You know what? The Dove Awards, anybody heard of the Dove Awards? This is, this is supposed to be Christians, and they win awards for how many albums they're selling. Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? Who are you singing it for? You know, I, I, some of these contemporary people that are, that are singing, their theology could fit in a thimble. And it, and it shows in their songs. You know, one of the things I started doing, and this is all free of charge too, okay? <clears throat> but one of the famous songs that came out here lately by, by the, the great theologian, um, uh, forgot her name. Daigle, Warren Daigle, you say. Everybody loves the song you say. Who's she talking about? Who's she talking about? Somebody tell me, who does she mention in the song? Who does she say this is about? You know why I ask that is because that song has now become a big hit on rock and roll stations and, and other music stations out there because where's God ever mentioned? This could be some man that she's talking about. Could be her girlfriend because she don't stand on, she doesn't know whether God's against homosexuality or not. It's what she said. And so we sing. We sing this weak theology. And people are led down a path of untruths. And then they think that, well, if she sang it, then this must be what the Bible says. Sorry. It is written. It is written. What does God's Word say? I don't care what Lorne Daigle says. I, I don't care what Toby Mack says. I don't care what Merle Haggard says. Yes, you think, who's he? You know? <laughs> it doesn't matter what Shannon Monday says. It matters is it is written. It is written. How we need to understand what God's Word says and put everything up and, and, and compare it to what the Word of God says. And, and so here in this pride, you know, these people wanting all of these awards and accolades, you know what, look for the applause of one. You know, and you think you have to have millions and millions of dollars to live? Give me a break, truly. Give it away. You, you want to impress me? Do what Jesus told the rich man. Give it all to the poor. Give me your heart and serve me. And so, well, you know, 
That'd be hard to do. And it would be. Pride is pride. Here's pride. Thou be the Son of God. And so he takes him up on the pinnacle. He says, Thou be the Son of God. Cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So now he's saying, All right, if you're God, then jump off of there and and have the angels save you. You say that you can, and, and Jesus could have. Jesus said whenever he was going to the cross that at any time when they came into the garden to take him, and, and Peter whacks off Malchus's ear, and, and he said, hey, do you realize at any time I could call legions of angels down and, and wipe everybody out and, and be done with this, but this isn't what God's will is here. And, and, and here we know the power that, that God could display at this time and Jesus could display, but here we know that Jesus said, said unto him, it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I told you the story of the lady that was in her car and headed to a motel to meet up with some other, some other lady's husband. said, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, stop me from going. That's tempting God. Good thing I wasn't God. There'd been a meteor nobody had seen come blazing out of the sky and drill her 27 feet deep into the ground. There's your sign. But God doesn't do that. God says, don't tempt him. Don't tempt him. He tells us that all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. How we need to realize that many times Israel tempted him, didn't they? They paid the price for that. And here Jesus said, he said I'm not going to tempt God because it is is written. Don't tempt God. Don't walk around in your pride and your arrogance and think that God owes you anything. God owes you nothing. And so don't tempt God. Thirdly, then, we see the attack on the lust of the eyes. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Boy, is he all messed up. I mean, Jesus was part of the creation. He was there. Tells us in Colossians that he was there when all these things were created. He says, Oh, I'll give you all these things if you will just glorify me. Oh, and you know something else in time that can't go back now, but in verse 6, you need to go back and look and study this. Satan left a phrase out of the statement. He makes a good cult member, takes a verse out of context, and leaves part of it out that he doesn't like. So he did that also, but now goes and shows him these and says, I'll give you all these things if you'll fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan. Depart from me. Go away. Get away from me. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. You see, Satan is the prince of the world, and he could have given Jesus all that stuff. He had the power to do so. I think there are those in our world that have sold their souls, made a deal with the devil, 
And they have all these worldly goods, and they're going to die one day and spend eternity in hell. And so Satan had the power to give him all of those things, but here we know that Satan isn't strong enough to defeat God. He tells him, you need to depart from me, you need to go away. You need to get away from me. Because it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. What comes in front of you doing what God wants you to do? If there is something, it's an idol. And you need to get rid of it. It needs to be put in the place where it needs to be, not where it is right now. You need to understand that it is written that we serve. We worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And so I conclude with the one verse that many of us have had to use many times and will still continue to use it. James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Not because he's afraid of us, but because he has no power over God. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And he takes his word and leads us unto truth and strengthens us. It is a formidable defense against a powerful enemy an overwhelming enemy. Left to ourselves, we fail. But with him, we have the power to live victoriously. So why aren't we? Why aren't we? Well, do you know Christ is your Savior? Say yes. Then are you filled with the Spirit? How's your prayer life? How's your knowledge of the defense that God gives you? Right here it is. You might think, man, I don't know very much. That's okay. Today's a new day. Today we start. Today we start learning what it is that God's going to use in my life to give me victory. And he will. And he will. You know what? 20 years from now, this church is still moving on. This church is still reaching people in the community, being used worldwide in missions. Because you chose that day, Lord, I'm committed to you. You first, and it is written, will direct my life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is written. I thank you that it's preserved. I thank you that it's guarded. I thank you that you have given it to us to use to be the tool that you can use supernaturally to work in our hearts and our lives, guide us and conform us into your image. Lord, I pray you search the hearts of each one who's here today. Whatever needs to be done in their lives today, I pray that you show them, guide them and direct them. Use this time to do a work in our hearts. Help us to leave here today better than we did when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. 233, more love to the